0: Okay. The uh, you don't have a bulletin. You don't have the text in front of you. The the text is going to be uh, Genesis eleven ten through twelve nine. Genesis twelve ten through through. Uh, I'm sorry. Eleven ten through twelve nine.
1: Yeah, amen. Well, God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen. amen. All right. So. Genesis chapter eleven, beginning of verse ten. Will you find that? Would you please stand? I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. These are the, are the generations of Shem. When Shem was a hundred years old, he fathered Arphaxad. Two years after the flood, and Shem lived after he fathered Arphaxad five hundred years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad had lived thirty-five years, he fathered Shelah. And Arpestre lived after he fathered Sheila 403 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Sheila had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Sheila lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Rue. And Pele lived after he fathered Ru 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Sarug. And Ru lived after he fathered Sarug 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sarug had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Sarug lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the wife of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, the son of Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, In your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak at Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev.
0: Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time together today. Lord, we're asking now that you um, help us to understand the weight of these verses before us, the impact uh, that they have had on all of history and even directly upon our own lives as believers. Help us to see, Lord, enable us to see how these passages that we're looking at in the next few chapters are foundational for understanding the plan of salvation that you have devised and that you have executed. Lord, enable us to see how the faith of Abraham corresponds to the salvation that we know and preach today, salvation by grace through faith. And in all these things, Lord, we're asking that uh, we have a greater, better understanding of our own helplessness and our own need for Your grace and a better understanding of the vast supply that comes from You. The all-sufficiency of Your grace Extended to us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. In it all, may you be honored and glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be seated. I I don't think the uh, importance of these uh, passages could be overstated. Uh, so in terms, of, in, in terms of understanding God's plan of salvation and understanding Christianity. Um, so, uh, and, I'm, and I'm thinking when I say these passages, I'm thinking of the next few chapters, but even specifically what we're looking at today. So I, I don't even know that we will uh, be able to um, move on with just one message here. We'll see. Um, we may come back to this same passage next week because there's so much here, um, so let me just kind of give you, a, 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 as I customarily do, a sentence, um, well in fact let me do a couple things, because again you don't have a bulletin in front of you, so so here's a, uh, here's a um, title, I was thought of several, but I, I think this one probably captures what I'm going to try to focus on mainly today, um, Radical Redirection. Radical redirection. Now, I know that term radical gets used and overused a lot, but it's still helpful because, <laughs> because we just don't want to just kind of like be insensitive to it um, because the term, the idea behind the term is to the root, to the root, all right? So it's like when you affect something uh, in a radical way, you're, you're affecting it to its core, or when you speak of something like a radical change, which is what we're, um, where we're beginning today, um, then you're talking about something that is changed to its core. Um, so that's, that's how I'm using the term. So radical redirection, or you could th- just think in terms of radical change, like I said a moment ago. And uh, maybe, a t- maybe a subtitle, because what we're doing is talking about the story of Abraham, Right? Or let me, let me say that a better way, too, probably. Abraham's story. Because I don't want you to think in terms of like a bedtime story. This is, this is Now, children, this is the story of Abraham. Now, we're talking about Abraham's story. In other words, who he was, um, how God <laughs> invaded his life, and how, how he came to know, that is how Abraham came to know the true and living God and walk with him. In a trusting relationship. In fact, he was called the friend of God in Scripture. So, um, this is the story of Abraham, or Abraham's story. All right, it's it's one that at least begins with radical redirection or radical change. And so, here the subtitle you might be something like this: "The journey begins," because. This is a journey. This is a story of a journey. Literally, and I guess you could say, um, in, in terms of typology. Um, so, Abraham's going to take a, and, and I'm putting our us back in that time, you know, using the present tense there. Uh, if, if we were there with him, or living de- during his time, Abraham's going to take a journey. Literally, physically. I mean, he he leaves one place, goes to another, um, leaving one geographical spot, going to another. But all of that too is 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 pointing to something else. Um, so this is the beginning of a journey that we're going to be, Lord willing, talking about the next several weeks, as we look at um, the scriptures account of the life of Abraham, or again, Abraham's story. And as I tried to. Mentioned earlier, and even as we were praying, this this has direct significance for us, and in, in so many ways. And so, Lord willing, we'll try to be un, uh, unpacking those as we go through here, um, and I'll be I'll be pointing to some other scriptural references as well. So let me let me say this, and this is part of thinking in terms of the beginning of a journey. Not, not only the, the physical, geographical journey that Abraham took from Ur to Canaan, but um, in terms of the, the spiritual journey that is, that is laid out in not only the Genesis account, but in the, Old, in the Old Testament and into the New Testament. God is creating a nation of worshipers. That's a major theme here. God is creating a nation of worshipers. That's what He's about to do with Abraham. Originally, God created man perfectly, placed man, male and female, uh, in a perfect environment, and and they were created male and female, bearing the image of God. Um, but as we have seen in our study, man rebelled against God and died spiritually, you know, being being alienated from God. And so you go from uh, one couple in in a in a state of perfect communion with God, in a perfect environment, the Garden of Eden. You go from that to all of mankind, that, that same couple plus all of their descendants, being alienated from God. So, and, and boy, did we see this, uh, the result of this in, in this in the story of the flood. So you have people populating the earth who do not worship their Creator, right? They are alienated from their Creator and do not worship Him. Now, there were some exceptions. Remember um, Enoch, for example, back in chapter 5, Enoch the seventh from Adam. We're told he walked with God. Or you go back even um, further to e- Enos, Enosh, in verse. Uh, I'm looking at chapter 4, verse 26. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enos, Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So what you seem to have in, in general was uh, uh, people overtaken by sin, and, and they are not walking with God, not calling upon God, but, but there were, by God's grace, um, some exceptions. And we've traced out, as a matter of fact, you know, we've, been, we've been making this distinction between uh, this kind of holy line or lineage, uh, God's people in the midst of the earth, and we've traced that out through Seth. Of course, Abel was godly, but but Abel was murdered, and he so he had no descendants. So so uh, then God gives Adam and Eve Seth, and and generally speaking, the line of Seth, they were worshipers. and you you uh, uh, at least compared to the uh, to the uh, line of Cain. And so you have um, God choosing out, calling a people to Himself among all the peoples in the earth. And you follow that through, through Seth all the way down through Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I skipped Enoch there. But Seth to Enoch and then Enoch to Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then the last week we were talking about the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and how all the earth is populated because during the flood, everybody was destroyed except for those eight people—Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives—and so all the earth is populated from Noah's sons and their wives, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And we looked at the table of nations in uh, Genesis chapter ten. There, so so where does this holy line pick up again? You got now you got three sons—the three sons of Noah and their lines. Well, it picks up with Shem, Shem, and and then you. You see the, the lineage of Shem as you move down. Um, you got some of it in chapter ten, and then again here in chapter eleven, it's being highlighted. And so we move from Noah through Shem down to Terah and his sons, Abraham and or Abram and Nahor. But here, when we get to Abraham. This holy line, you know, this—I uh, guess you could say, like the seed of the promise. Remember back back in Genesis three sixteen, God promised uh, Adam and Eve that there would be one of their seed who would crush the head of the serpent. And all that's a little vague and all that. And so, as you move through the, the Bible, it gets clearer and clearer and clearer, and and uh, the the line keeps narrowing down, down, down as to far, as far as. You know, where's where that seed going to come from? Who, who is that seed going to uh, emerge from? Well, this is really a defining point here with Abraham. And it is getting narrowed down to the descendants of Abraham. From, from all of the people existing on earth in that day, God chooses this man and his family, his descendants, and this will be the one through whom all nations of the earth will be blessed. And like I said, there, there's so, so much more to be said on this that it'll probably take more than just this morning to, to uh, deal with all that, even before we get to the other chapters, but um, which continue to deal with it. So um, this, is, this is a real defining point. Now, for our purposes today, we're going to talk about Abraham's call and, and here's the kind of summary sentence I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, Abram, at this point his name's Abram. God will later change his name to Abraham. So if you hear me going back and forth on those two, we're talking about the same person. Abram was called out of unbelief and into a life of worship of the true and living God. Abram was called out of unbelief and into a life of worship of the true and living God that 's kind of the summary of the story and 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 for uh, for today 's purposes, but from there, God is going to create a whole nation people, kingdom of worshipers who will follow uh in the footsteps you might say of Abraham worshiping the true and living God. So, um, just a few simple points here as the text breaks it down. In fact, uh, I think I, I think I will get through these four, and it'll, it'll be there, maybe, we'll see. Um, first of all, God called. God called. And now I'm focusing in on um, chapter 12, verses 1 through Nine, primarily here. That's that's really what we're going to be dealing with. A little bit of reference backwards. I'll, in fact, I'm going to have to do some of that right up front. God called. Now, the Lord said. I mean, that just seems to come out of nowhere, doesn't it? The Lord said. Because you're reading about the lineage here from, Terah, uh, from Nahor down to Terah, and then Terah and Abraham and Nahor and Haran and... Uh, then you get some movement from Ur. They, they, were, they were living in Ur, the Chaldees. And by the way, that would be a modern Iraq um, is where they were from. And that's where God called them. Now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some things here concerning the nature of the call. But let me say this first because there's a little bit of a, of a uh, chronological... Uh, let's see. I guess we, we could call it an apparent problem, Okay an apparent problem. Hold hold your finger here and flip over to uh, Acts chapter 7 where Stephen is preaching. This is when Stephen is stoned to death. Um, When the church is brand new in Jerusalem, first century, just following the Crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, and uh, of course the disciples are multiplying in Jerusalem, and uh, Stephen is one of the uh, men chosen to to serve the widows in chapter six. Uh, sometimes we refer to that as the first deacons uh, because of the wording used there. So Stephen is one of those men, and and uh, he's essentially uh, he's being persecuted. He's essentially arrested. And, uh, and so he's he he just preaches right there and he goes through some of the some of the history and uh, recounts some of what we're talking about here with Abraham. Now, wh- there's a, there's a difference in what Stephen says, again, apparent difference in what Stephen says here and what we're reading in chapter 12. So I want to go ahead and deal with this before we move on. Um, in Acts chapter 7, look at verse 2. And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. That's talking about Ur, Ur the Calvies. Before he lived in Haran. So notice that, the chronology. God, by the way, notice that too. He... he Stephen refers to God as the God of glory, right? The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham. When did he appear to him? When he was in Mesopotamia or Ur Ur the Chaldees, which is in Mesopotamia. When he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. And then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran, and his father died. All right, let's go back to Genesis 12 and look at um, verse. I'm sorry, Genesis 11. Let's back up just a little bit. Genesis 11, verse 31. Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. All right, so when you read this account in Genesis, it sounds like they went to Haran, and then while they were in Haran, the Lord spoke to Abram and said, Go. From your country and your kindred and your father's house. But Stephen says that the Lord spoke to Abram and said, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house while they were in Ur the Chaldees, Mesopotamia, before they lived in Haran. So, which is correct? Well, of course, Stephen's um, is correct, and it does not actually contradict what we have here. Um, in chapter 12, verse 1, um, that could be translated, now the Lord had said to Abram. In other words, I think what Moses is doing here, he's not, he's not putting these in chronological order. Okay, they moved to Haran, and then when they were in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, go. No, he says, he gives us an account, they moved to Haran, while they were in Haran, Terah died, and then he's moving, and then, and then he just brings up the whole reason for their traveling at all. Now, the Lord said, or the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred. When did he say that? He said that when they were in Ur of the Chaldees in Mesopotamia. And I think this actually bears that out because he's told, go from your country and your kindred. And that would have been Ur of the Chaldees. In fact, it says of his brother, look back in chapter 11, verse 28, Haran died in the presence of... Of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur the Chaldees and Chaldeans, and that's where Abraham was told to leave, um, the land of his kindred, which was Ur the Chaldeans. All right, so it looks like a difference. I I, I don't think it's really an issue there. So Abraham speaks. Here's the point: while uh, or God speaks rather, while Abram is still in Ur of the Chaldees or the Chaldeans and he tells him to go. So this is the call. Abram was called out of Ur, Mesopotamia, Ur of the Chaldeans. And we know um, from what the Bible says and even from extra-biblical material that that was a pagan culture. So um, Abram is being called out of paganism. And I think he was literally called out of paganism because there are other verses that uh, imply this. While he was still in Ur of the Chaldean, in other words, while he was still in Ur of the Chaldeans, he became a worshiper of the true God. And then God commanded him to leave that location, to leave that culture. So, I'm going to give you a few things here. Um First of all, there, there are two imperatives in this call. That's not uh, immediately obvious either because of the way it's worded in the English, but um, the first one is, the first one's obvious. In verse 1, go, or that can be translated leave, leave out. The Lord said to Abram, go out. Or go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house. Or leave your country, your kindred, and your father's house. That's an imperative. Leave. The second one is at the end of verse 2. It, it, this is literally an imperative. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Like I said, it's not so obvious the way that it's translated uh, in the English. It, um, God says, Do these things, and then He says, so that you will be a blessing. Uh, Because And the reason it's translated that way is because it is the result of Abraham doing what God said. In other words, get out of this culture, get out of your homeland, everything that you're familiar with, everything that you have heretofore valued, treasured, adored, (laughs) and been comfortable with. Leave all of that. And if you do that... It's kind of the idea. Or uh, if you do that, you will be a blessing. Or you could say, um, as it's translated here, do these things so that you will be a blessing. So leave your country, your kindred, your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. And here's what's going to happen. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great or famous so that you will be a blessing. So, there's the two imperatives. Go or go out from, leave, and be a blessing. Now, uh, I get to the, the nature of the call here. Abram's call. First of all, it is a sovereign call. There's no evidence of anything done on the part of Abram to provoke this call in fact we, we, we have every reason to believe that um, Abram was a product of his culture he's well let's just think let's use New Testament terminology for a moment or New Testament thinking for a moment um, he's, he's in the world and he's of the world You know, he's in Ur and he's of Ur he's in Mesopotamia and he's of Mesopotamia. Say it another way, he's an idolater. He's an idolater. And it's in the midst of that that God graciously comes to him and calls him to true worship of the true God. Come out from among them and be separate. It's the same same idea. It's a sovereign call. Abram Abraham at this point doesn't do anything to, to bring it about, to provoke it. In fact, he's probably pretty much doing everything wrong. He's a pagan living in a pagan land. Secondly, it's a call to change. It's a call to change. Leave go out go out from leave everything that you're familiar with everything that you that you cherish that you treasure everything that gives you security leave it i mean let's face it there's there's a there's a there's a security that comes with being near home what we know of as home right I mean, you, you, just if you're traveling. I mean, if you're traveling around here, you kind of feel like, well, if I get stranded out on I-20, i got a list of people I could call. But if you're a thousand miles away in, in a place where you don't know anybody, it's a different scenario, isn't it? That's when it's good to have AAA or something like that. <laughs> so, I, I mean, Abram, Abram's a citizen of Ur. He's a product of Ur. He's comfortable there and God commands him to leave. He's calling for radical change. There's another word for it. Repentance, right? Because that's what repentance is. You, you, You walk away from something to something. That is, you turn. It's redirection. Leave. Leave one thing. Go to another. In this case... Abram is called to leave one life for another, or you could say one lifestyle for another not to not to to bring about some kind of synthesis. And that's what we're tempted to do. In fact, I think there's evidence in the text that <laughs> Abram might have tried that too, but, but that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to synthesize our idolatry with true worship. You know, it's, some kind of somehow let's weld the two together. You know, let's, let's 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 weave them together. Best of both worlds. Can't do that. This is a call for change, a sovereign call to come out of something to something. Uh, one of, in fact, one of the verses I was alluding to about their idolatry. Um, let me just go ahead and give you that um, because he is. He what's happening here? He's being called out of idolatry. Joshua 24 verse 2. Joshua 24 verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. That's the, that's the, uh, that's Abraham and his father and brother. Joshua says they served other gods. Joshua 24, 2. All right, third, it's a call to obedience. There's no negotiation. Abram is called to unqualified obedience to God's will for him. Come out and go where I tell you to go. Fourth, it's a call to trust Abraham must follow God's imperative, not knowing where he was going. And this is highlight, highlighted in Hebrews 11. The writer of Hebrews is giving us examples of faith. And he says, by faith, by faith, and, and of course you've heard me say a million times, uh, uh, for me, I like, as a synonym for faith, I like the word trust, the idea of trust. So, by trust, by trusting God, by faith in God, Hebrews eleven eight. by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And that's something. God gives him some specifics about what he's to leave. Leave your kindred, your your country, your father. But he doesn't really seem to give him any specifics about where he's going. You just you're going to go to a place that I'm going to give you, place that I'm telling you about that I'm going to give you. It requires a great deal of trust. And we're going to see more of that if you go through the life of Abraham. And lastly here, number five, it is an effective call. So here's what I have in mind there. Abraham does what God requires him to do just like Noah, right? Noah Noah did all that God commanded. And and this is what I want to submit. It's, It's because of the effectiveness of God's call. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So Noah's obedience is actually fueled by God's grace working in his life. And Abraham... Did what God commanded. Um, chapter 12, verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And that's because of God's grace working in his life. It's, a, it's, an, it's an effective call. When God calls, he also empowers. So he, he calls Abram, Come out! And He he enables him to obey. He calls to Lazarus, Come out! And He empowers him to walk out of the tomb, right? When God called, Jesus said, All that the Father has given me... I mean, let's just give that some gospel application here. We're almost out of time anyway. Jesus said, All that the Father has given me will come to... Me. That's John 6. All that the Father has given me will come to me. And he that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. I will raise him up at the last day. (laughs) Because God's call is effective. Because it comes with power. So it's an effective call. And secondly, now this is second of the main points, Abram went, and I can move through these quicker. Abram obeyed God, and as we saw in Hebrews, um, no, I'm sorry, Romans, Uh, I'm thinking of Sunday school, he gave God glory, and Abram trusted God. How do we know he trusted God? You know, this is kind of a circular thing here, but... uh, but it, it, but it's logical. It's not illogical. God, he, tr- we know he trusted God because he obeyed God. But then, why did he obey God? Because he trusted God. And faith, biblical faith, is never a blind faith. We, are, we we trust God based on who He is, based on His character, based on the fact that He is trustworthy. And trust produces obedience. If you trust God, you obey God. And if you obey God, it's because you trust God. Third, God appeared. Alright, so we got God called, Abraham went. Third, God appeared. Verse seven. Chapter twelve, verse seven. Now this is after he's coming to the land. I mean he go he goes from Ur to Haran, and then after his father dies, he moves from Haran down into Canaan, which is the promised land. And there, um, he stops at the, uh, the Oak of Morah. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, the, the direction, uh, the location identification here is, is kind of like it is here in the south, right? You know? The oak tree down there, yeah, that's where it was. Yeah, the Oak of Morah, Moray. that time, the Canaanites were in the land, Moses says. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now, this is why we're not going to finish this today. Because <laughs> this has huge implications. Alright? Uh, so, for now, let me just say this God calls Abram out of earth, Chaldees, out of a pagan culture, out of paganism, out of idolatry, and he brings him to the place where He wants him, the place that He's going to give him. And there He appears to him. And there's a paradigm here. God calls sinners. Come out, right? Come out. Come out from among them and be separate. Calling us out of paganism, out of unbelief to a life of holiness. Holiness. A life set apart for God. Calling us out of idolatry to worship of the true God. And so, we go. We go because God's call is effective. It's not because we're smart. Not because we're able or anything like that. It's because of God's grace. He empowers. The ones He truly calls. In fact, let me put that little qualifier there. The ones He truly calls, He empowers to obey and obedience is a mark of trust that's a mark of true calling right and, and by the way we're we're not talking about um uh, maybe we'll get more time to talk about this later too but we're not talking about some kind of um heartless obedience just like a robotic type thing you know i'd I'm told to do what I've got to do, and I do, I do what I'm told, you know, and I just, I just do it. I don't care about God. I don't care about anything, but I'm just, it's just some kind of heartless obedience. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about obedience born out of a, a real trust in God and love for God. And why do we really love and trust God? Because of His grace. He calls us out of idolatry, and He enables us. Augustine... Um, or Augustine, um, the great um, early church theologian said, Command what you will, but grant what you command. It was kind of a prayer, you know. Command what you will, O Lord, but grant what you command. I mean, he know, Augustine knew that we're dependent on God granting, enabling, even for us to obey. So... What God is, is uh, doing now, he's, he, he's got Abram in the land of promise and He makes an appearance to him. And this is just, it's, it's happening stage by stage, but this is just further assurance, assuring Abraham up, you know, that he's doing God's will. Further revelation, I mean, in other words, he's, he's, he's making himself known to Abram. He's making his faithfulness known. He's shining the light into his heart and mind, right? He's turning on the lights, like we say. Or like Paul says in Second uh, Corinthians 4, God, who said, Let light shine, of, shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of, glo- of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here, God appears to Abram. And we don't know exactly what fashion, but there's a sense in which He does that with us as well. He... he he commands light in our dark hearts so that we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God's whole plan, His work of salvation, just makes sense to us. <laughs> because God turns the lights on. He appears. He makes Himself known. And lastly, Abram worships. God called, Abram went, God appeared, Abram worshipped. And I'm still in verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who who had appeared to him. See, now he's, he's, he's gaining knowledge of God. And what is the result? Worship. Verse 8. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. I mean, Moses puts emphasis on it there. And that that little phrase, called upon, can actually be translated a couple of ways. Um, That's one. The other is Proclaimed. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. Interesting. Either way, I mean both of those things make up worship, part of worship. I mean that's what Christians do. We call upon the Lord and we proclaim the name of the Lord. And notice it's the name of the Lord. No longer pagan gods, now the true and living God. Now that's Abraham's story. The genuine call of God is always effective, always producing genuine worship in the heart and life of the one called. It requires forsaking idolatry. It requires trusting God. It requires obedience to God. And that's Abraham's story, isn't it? God called, he went. God made himself known, he worshiped. That's Abraham's story. Called out of darkness into light. Called out of idolatry to worship the true God. Called out of unbelief to obedience. Called out of death to live. question is, is that your story? I can tell you what we're not called to. Just mere religion we're not called to that we're not we're not called to moral moralism we're called to worship the true and living god to know him to adore him to value him above Everything, that call brings about a radical redirection in a person's life. The story of the Christian is like the story of Abraham. It's one of radical redirection. Would you stand, please? We're going to pray and then... uh, dismiss. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have done in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for awakening dead hearts to live, to know you in truth, walk with you, worship you. We understand, Lord, that we would have no hope otherwise. We have hope because of grace, Your grace. Father, we do, while we stand together praying, praying in agreement this morning, we do once again lift up to You, Mavis. Our heart, our desire is for healing. and Lord, that's what we ask for grant healing if it be your will. We do acknowledge, Lord, just as we just as we have been talking about trust, faith. We acknowledge that you always know what's best and that your way is always better and that you are always faithful. And that you are always working all things for good. to those who love You and are the call according to Your purpose. We thank You, Lord, that those things are true and that, again, You are trustworthy. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you all and give you peace. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed.